0: boogie boarding bad jobs that make us question our worth and ability making a sea change empty nesting what's all this got to do with copywriting well a lot actually because my guest today is Kate Halfpenny one of Australia's most successful journalists As the executive editor of Who magazine for 24 years, which was one of my favourite magazines, chief of staff for the new daily newspaper for many years and also a writer for The Age and other leading publications, Kate moved from journalism into a marketing communications role and absolutely hated it. And that experience forced her to confront what she really wanted to do, where she really wanted to live, who she wanted to spend time with, and part of that reinvention was to become a content writer and a highly sought after one at that. That's what it's got to do with copywriting. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert, and this is a podcast for those looking to reinvent their lives as a copywriter and want what's an inspiration and practical tips on how to do it. I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. If you're looking for a sea change and the chance to work from wherever you want, check out our courses and discover how copywriting can help you find the independence and the freedom you seek. I've been training people to become highly paid, successful copywriters for over 25 years, and I just love the big impact that a short course can have on people's lives. Here's a review from Shannon Benton, who recently completed our SEO copywriting course. Bernadette was fantastic. I enjoyed the common sense approach without the jargon. I'm feeling much more confident to tackle anything SEO. Thank you, Shannon, for those lovely words. And if you'd like to learn more about how to get started as a copywriter, maybe check out copyclub.com.au and discover the practical tips and hints you need to find your first copywriting job. And if you like our podcasts, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Kate Halfpenny, welcome to the podcast.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Bernadette. I'm delighted to be here. I have to ask, Bad Mother Media, uh, are you a bad mother? <laughs> Do You know, that's the question and that's why I chose the name <laughs> for my little fledgling company. Um, and it started from a, a girlfriend that I had when my kids were smaller. She had a little cottage industry um, photographic business and it was called bad mother photography and when I was fishing around for a name last year um, I thought about that and sat her down with a bottle of champagne and said do you mind if I steal your name and she said of course darling it's perfect Um, because it works for me on two levels you know that idea of of being a bad mother which was um, something that pursued me when my kids were younger because of course if you had a paid job there were the mothers at the school gate who did not have paid jobs who thought that you were the bad mother whereas from my perspective if you weren't doing everything and being the superwoman then you were the bad mother you weren't being a role model so we were all very judgmental on whatever side we were on and um, you know I certainly wouldn't be taking such sides these days with a little bit more experience under my belt but it just seemed a perfect name and also of course there's the connotation of oh you bad mother so at age 55 I'm happy to be considered a baddie in whatever form it takes
0: that's awesome. And that we're just talking off off uh, camera, off mic just a, a moment ago, and you were just saying that um, sometimes, you, you know, when you're on radio and you might stuff up or something like that, you just own it. And you said you're too old now to be worried about stuff. And I, I complimented you on your amazing stories for the age and all the articles that you write. They're very personal, very fearless. But, you know, where are you at now that you feel that you can have those conversations publicly? You know, that that takes a lot of um guts, I think, to put yourself out there, particularly with everything that's going on in social media. How do you do that? How can you, how can other people find their fear, you know, their fearlessness?
1: Oh, thank you, Bernadette. Look, it's come with age. It really has. You know, back when I started as a journalist, which was 1985, as an 18-year-old, um, rocking up to the Melbourne Herald, um, the broadsheet as it was then, uh, in my Laura Ashley skirt and my little flat patent leather ballet shoes with the gros grain bow that i got at the victoria market <laughs> there's actually i actually got a photo of me talking to sammy davis jr back then and i'm wearing that outfit with my pop collar and my pearls and you know back then you 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 don't know anything you, you you think that you do um and you actually know nothing so i look back and think about that poor girl who was thrust into that full-on journalism industry where everyone was drunk by midday and you know there was a lot of misogyny and all the rest of it that went on um we're going down rabbit holes now but um it it comes with age i'm at, i'm at a place now as I said 55 got a lot of experience under my belt I've raised three children um I am married to my second husband so I've got romantic and relationship experience I've got a lot of girlfriends you know like we've been through it all at this age we've been through giving birth we've been through farewelling beautiful friends um you know through death so yeah I'm I'm not afraid of any absolutely anything and I and I always feel that um people's best work be it professionally or personally is done when they're being authentic and they're telling the truth so for me it's a case of um if I have to deliver the hard news or as I call it the halftime speech I certainly will and my children know that I'm famous for that so it's just the way I operate and you know I can recommend it to anyone out there who's who is struggling with finding their voice just find it just say stop it I'm going to tell the truth
0: I I love that Kate and I I couldn't agree more I'm the same age as you and I think as I've got older things have got easier you know in terms of work and things like that and I used to be the youngest person in the room when I was training mm-hmm. people and I was 23 now I'm the oldest person in the room I think I do know something now you know whereas before you always question you know what value can I add and and do other people know more than I do why am I here kind of thing so I think for people listening who may be moving into sort of the third act of their life if you like um I think it's a wonderful time and I don't I don't regret anything. I'm just so glad I'm here and I wouldn't want to be 23 now. And people used to say that. I thought, how could you not want to be that, you know? I never understood why you'd prefer to be older.
1: Now I get it. Yeah, you just don't have that perspective when you're younger. You know, again, you have to have the miles on the clock. But, yes, I went through my own little crisis of confidence a couple of years ago um, and was fearing that I had lost my voice and and what I actually had That that made me me but um, have managed to re it and I just find it so glorious being able to say what you're thinking and it's it doesn't have to be you know I don't I don't ever aim to hurt people and I think that um, you know when I do have an opinion it's always pretty reasonable but I'm firm in it um, and that that is just such a skill that you learn as you go along and and you learn to revel in it having that power and the, the confidence to say this is this is where I'm at and you know I'm I'm not always right no one is but I'm right for me um and I you know it's really great to have that those convictions and and know where you stand can I ask
0: what was the crisis of confidence that you had and how did you get through it
1: <laughs> I know and we're not talking about that terrible sort of I had a once I had a terrible three-month period where I was diagnosed with a melanoma my breast implant exploded and my husband left me all within three months
0: what was the worst bit of all those
1: <laughs> and we're not even talking about that today no last year i took um i took a job that i shouldn't have the first time in my 36 year career i made a i made a bad choice um, moved out of journalism um into comms over to the dark side as people told me and you know i know that there are a lot of people working in comms who are great at it and who love it but i just wasn't one of them and the company that i was working for was a really bad fit for me so um yes it, it led to me thinking do I still know what I'm doing? And I went to see um, a fantastic careers, um, careers, a psychologist who specialises in careers. She was amazing. She was so great when I walked in and, you know, she, it was, she sort of pretty much said, what's your problem? And when I told her, she said, ah, don't worry about it. You know, look at all your experience and how excellent you are at your job. That does not disappear overnight. You've always still got that. And, you know, it was really reassuring because I was really going down that whole tunnel of, I'm never going to work again. No one will ever hire me again. And I'm a certain age and, you know, it's hard working in media at my age. Um, it really is, you know, the full-time jobs got a younger people because they're cheaper and there's more of them and they're more disposable. Um, and I sort of wrestled with that idea, you know, what, what does my future look like? And that's how I found myself founding Bad Mother. It was a case of lose my mind um, and stay in this comms job, you know, which I knew I'd made a bad choice on day one. And in fact, rang my old editor on day two and said, can I have my job back? <laughs> said, nah, we have filled it. So I was stuck with it for a while, but it it was funny. You know, we're in the middle of the pandemic. I've got this terrible job, but woke up one morning and looked at my husband and said, we're done here in the city. And he was great. We had that whole Collingwood life with our three-level um, converted warehouse, thought I was fantastic living there, had a great old time clip-clopping around Easy Street thinking I was very cool. Um, and suddenly, you know, we were out, sold the house in 10 days, bought a house down at the coast and that's where I'm living now. So it gave me a bit of breathing space um, to really reinvent myself and think what is it that I'm great at and what do I like doing? Um, and it's always just been writing, um, you know, I was, I've been able to write, read and write since So I was three. It's always been something that's made sense to me. Um, Writing and breastfeeding are my two skills. And I haven't breastfed for a long time, so I'm stuck with the writing. Um, So I just thought that's what I'm going to do. So I started Bad Mother Media and fortunately had a call almost straight away from from, um, the opinions editor at The Age. You know, we hear you're on the loose um would you like to start writing a column for us and it was just the most extraordinary offer and it was like yes today I can write straight away um and so that sort of um that kick-started bad mother media and and got me back on my feet so now I you know I I pick and choose who I work with and I'm having a really lovely time but it's all literally because I had to have that awful time and take a punt on myself that I could reinvent and start my own little funny business Okay, why did you leave that job and go into that comms role? What made you do that? Such a great question, Bernadette. I don't know. I think I might have been drunk. I (laughs) I think I might have been. I think I might have been sloshing back a couple of the passion fruit vodka cocktails and thought, that sounds like a great idea. No, do you know what? It was money they it was money I will be super honest um they offered me just a stonking amount of money you know we want you we want you and um my ego was flattered and um I thought this would be great for the finances you know never great reasons um but great life lessons um and so I yeah I took I took I took that role um and I learned a lot, <laughs> a lot <laughs> about how to stop crying by pushing your tongue onto the roof of your mouth if you're in a meeting and you don't want to cry <laughs>
0: that's very useful technique um so do you think you where you are now with bad mother media could that have happened were it not for that misstep if you like it's not even a misstep but it's just a sideways step
1: yeah isn't that a great question i don't I don't know I'm not sure I mean we were always talking about let's make this move or whatever but it was more like a five-year plan because of course my husband was tied to his city job and um, we were very much enmeshed in that role but you know suddenly um, it was almost like a, a perfect storm the kids had all left home at at that time so I didn't have to provide you know shelter and food for them full time so my responsibilities in that area were waning so it was probably inevitable that it happened but not that quickly and I had a friend who said to me listen the best thing that you can do is sit down before you know where you're going you have to know what, you, what you're what you going towards, you know, before you can move into your next life. You need to plan it out. Um, and it was really true. We all spend so much time planning on saving money and what we're going to do with that money. But for me, the, the best thing you can save is time. That's just as important and just as valuable and priceless. Um, so I sat down, I thought, oh, well, this sounds really dicky. This is really stupid, you know. Sit down like was writing a grade three essay. Dear Miss, about my perfect life, but I did it, you know. And I wasn't allowed to do it on a computer. It had to be longhand written down in a in a book. So I grabbed an old um, recipe book. I stick. I cut out recipes all the time and stick them in artists. Books. Black like folders, you know, you get from the supermarket. So I sat down with my pen, thought, this is stupid. And an hour later, I was just writing away. Things could were flowing out of my hand. And he, my friend, had said, nothing is too big or too small. Write down what you want your dream life to look like. All right. And I started off with, you know, single story house for my old Grudel. And then it was, you know, silly things, um, be able to see my mother during the week instead of only on weekends, um, have cocktails five o'clock every Friday. Uh it just poured out of me, Bernadette. And so then, you know, I, I said to him, all right, it's done. Do you want to see it? He said, no, no, I don't need to see it. I just need to tell you, right, you know what you want. Now go get it. Then it was the old, but that means I've got to sell my house. I've got to leave a high paid job. I'm old. I'm never going to get another job. He's like, so what? Stop making excuses. If you want it, get it. And it was like, ding, so I did. We literally sold the house in 10 days we bought here the week after down at the beach and I'm I'm really working towards making making everything happen um and part of that you know I I wrote very clearly never work for horrible assholes again um be own boss and that's what I'm doing
0: how awesome that's really inspiring because they're big things you know they're not like small change your car change your dress you know it's car it's houses it's jobs it's regions but let me ask this bad mother media what do you actually do because people know you as a journalist but what 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 does bad mother media do
1: oh can you tell me? <laughs> <Well, those laughs>
0: I'm still am... saying Bernadette's in marketing because she still doesn't know what I do.
1: Bernadette I am still making that up as I go along I'm really um, a writer for hire I'm writing a, you know if anyone needs anything written I can write it you need a wedding speech written I will write it you need a you need a story for the front page of the age I will write it whatever it is. Um, I've actually found myself though specializing which I've fallen into purely by accident in LinkedIn profiles um, because I just take the same approach to them that I took to writing a cover story about um, the Duchess of Cambridge or Chris Hemsworth or whatever I was doing you know all of those skills that I had found um, that I created over I was at Who magazine for 24 years you know literally just churning out cover story after cover story about stars I took the same approach the narrative art the disruptive lead um, to writing people's stories on LinkedIn Um, and it started because someone liked mine and and got in touch and said can you can you do mine like yes I can Um, and before I knew it she told a friend who told a friend who told a friend and it's actually a really nice way to keep my hand in because I love hearing people's stories Um, I'm the person that you meet at a party who won't let you go you know you're trying to run away with your box of (laughs) chisels while I'm chasing you into a corner but tell me the other thing And just tell me this bit. so Perfect journal. Yeah, totally nosy, sticky bit.
0: And so I'm interested because a lot of people listening to this podcast are in the copywriting sector Mm -hmm. and then there's this kind of middle spot, which is content, and then there's on the other side this kind of journalism. So you, you do call yourself a content writer, or that's one of your skill sets on the LinkedIn profile. Can you just talk us through what you believe is content? You know, mm. for people listening about copywriting and there's content, what's your perspective on that? And if journalism comes into it as well, you know, what, what's yeah, your definition?
1: It's such a good question. And I actually didn't even know that there was a difference until I started hawking my own wares. You know, I was so firmly stuck in that whole journalism thing. Of course, I know what I do. I interview, I write up, that's it. Um For me, though, I think that it, my, the definition that I'm most comfortable with, with is that, you know, copywriting sells your brand by I guess, by pitching a service, it's sort of the art of selling people an idea or an ideology, um, a brand, you know, if you think about what Don Draper and Peggy Olson did in the TV show, you know, Mad Men, they were in advertising, but really, when they were at their best, they were selling Selling a product based around you know emotions and feelings tied to that product. So I think that that's what copywriting is. Whereas content writing actually tells the story behind the brand or behind the person. Um, you know, you, it's it's not it's not marketing material per se. Although obviously it's used for that. Um, it's not a it's not a catchy tagline. It's not it's not aiming at selling the brand. It's actually giving you the information behind that. Um, I think that's what it is. I mean, co- copywriters by, de- by definition as a profession um, are writing marketing material, whereas these days a content creator can be anyone. It can be a blogger, it can be a vlogger, it can be um, your executive who has to write something for LinkedIn. So a lot of people can be content writers. But for me, that I, I think I am a content writer more so than a copywriter because you, you're telling a story, you're using a narrative arc to create um, to create a story around a brand, and that's that's what I specialise in. Awesome. Did I make sense there? I Make complete sense. Up. You sounded okay.
0: really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you didn't already know what you do, you do now. <laughs> Thank um, you. I need to listen I, to it back. Yeah. You look, yeah I'll, get, I'll send you the transcript. Uh, I, I'm really curious as your process because in a journal you had to come up with stories frequently and quickly, <laughs> and content maybe not as quickly, but still still do have to do that. And you you are writing currently for The Age and other publications brilliantly may I say if you haven't already watched or read Kate's work it is a joy to behold it's just it's like water it flows it's so enjoyable to read um just talk me through your process like you sit down you think okay I'm going to write about this like let's just talk about decision making Mm -hmm. you got all these ideas bubbling how do you pick the one that you're going to write be it content piece or even just for the age or any column
1: yeah okay well if it's a column um I will grab my boogie board and I will go and get in the sea and have a have a little splash around there, catch a few waves and get ideas. That's where I get all of my ideas. Um, I have one particular girlfriend who thinks a lot like I do. So um, we swap ideas during the week and and always an idea germinates. But for me, I guess the column that I'm writing for the age and the SMH is really based around um, my own life and my own experiences and what I think that particularly middle aged women are going through and what will resonate with them. Um, So that's it's pretty much, you know, when I'm in the sea with my boogie board I just let my mind go to what I'm thinking about this week what's important to me you know is it that I haven't been able to get any Botox for a year during lockdown you know where am I at with that do I want to give it up altogether? how confident am I in myself or am I still not quite ready to do that you know it's it's things like that which I I assume that other women will relate to um you know, I wrote not long ago about I think I think the most reaction that I've had for a column this year was writing about um the influences Nadia Bartel and Georgia Love, you know, who I actually am I know Nadia from her days as a magazine. Stars so exec, I've never met Georgia, um, but I felt that they were treated really unfairly after their um their falls from grace earlier this year compared to to men in the media sphere who seem to survive um being domestic abusers and being you know generally horrible their career doesn't seem to suffer so I really put it on the line why is it women who who caught most of the flack here um and I had I think there are 131 comments on the age site which is a lot for one column um a lot hilariously from men saying you're the sort of woman I keep my wife and daughter away from. Like what one who's protecting women and sticking up for them was very funny, um, but you know it's it's really just what what I'm thinking about at the time. And I figure if I'm thinking about it, other women my age are and other men as well. Um, they seem to, to really like it, so that's how I operate with the column. But um, with the other other content pieces for people, it depends on on what, who the client is and and what they need. Um, and the way I work is that I won't take on a client unless we have a really good chat for about half an hour so I can work out if I actually like them, which goes back to never working with horrible people again. Yeah, if I'm working with you, I want to like what you're doing and I need to like your story and feel at least that I understand it and that we have some alignment because otherwise there's no point in me writing about them and, and bringing their stuff back to life I don't want to waste my time I've my time's so precious that if I'm working with you it's because I think that you're great and that your your brand or your product is great
0: your process so you sit down do you have a structure that you use and with copywriting I teach a seven point structure to write anything Mm -hmm. so you can just get to the point quite quickly without worrying about inspiration and being creative Um, and lots of constraints I think constraints are fantastic because it tells you what you shouldn't be writing and what you can't write what do you have or is it just purely gut and experience
1: Oh, column is sort of pretty much gut and um an experience, but I also have a seven-point strategy <laughs> that starts with a disruptive lead and then flows into you know a great billboard that will set up your the, the answer the old classic journalism questions, the who, what, when, why, how, um, with a rip quote if you've got one. Um, and I advise anyone that writing should be um like Lego blocks that you should be able to take any paragraph and move them around, you know, like you're unclipping this one from here and from here and from here. So separate ideas in every paragraph. Um, like it's pretty simple. Um, and save a great quote or a great idea for your for your kicker so that you leave them thinking, wow, you know, you don't just fizzle off on a low note. But I guess my most important, um, the most important part of the process for anyone is is finding your voice um writing in an authentic voice because you are you and that's what makes you special and i always imagine that i'm telling my best girlfriend um something that when i sit down to write i always imagine that i'm talking to her and i'm just telling her the story of this and this and this and i never edit while i'm while i'm working i always leave that to the end so i like to just let it flow i think otherwise you can lose the creativity and lose the ideas so that's pretty much my process I do definitely have a mud map in terms of structure but I've been doing it for so long now that I know <laughs> I know what to do um but yes I mean you've I love that you've got your own seven step, st- step structure and I wonder if they're similar I want to have a look at yours yeah yeah funny. by all
0: means um I think also the how do you know when it's good, right? I, I get asked this a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess my answer is, it's kind of a feeling. And you're still not sure. It's only, you know, what's resonating with you. But it's kind of almost like the the, the concrete sort of shifting, and then it kind of sets. It's like, uh, right? And so at that moment, you go, yeah, I think this is as good as it's going to get, It can always be better, of course. What do you have a moment where you go, this is as good as it's going to get?
1: That's such a great analogy, the concrete one. You're exactly right. It is a feeling. I call it a tingle. Um, I call it the tingle and I always know when it's right. Like you you absolutely will know. Um, and my advice to anyone is that, yes, nothing is ever going to be perfect, but some things will be more perfect. You will absolutely know. It's like when you meet the person that you're supposed to be with, you know, and I tell my children this, when you meet the person you will know, there won't be any second-guessing. You will you'll get the feeling from the start, and if you have to ask the question, it's the same for me with a pair of shoes or buying a house or whatever it is. If I don't love it immediately, then it's not right for me. And you, it will be. It's the same for me with my writing. I know when it's when it's ready to go and when it's not. And and um, funnily enough, I sent I sent a column to the Age last night um, and said to the editor this one's perfect. It's ready to go. I'm not going to make any changes overnight. And of course, woke up this morning and she sent me a text and said, what time are you making the changes? And it was like, all right, she knew that that was going to happen. <laughs> By 10 o'clock, I'll have it with you, which I did. Um, and the second version was was the way to go, um, was perfect. It's a feeling. It's, it's, there's no science to it. It's just that you're going to know when it's right.
0: That's a function of experience too. So I'm just curious with Imposter syndrome, you know, we hear about it a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I certainly have had it over the years. I'm, I'm better now. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not there lurking and, and a new opportunity mm. can bring it up. So, with your writing, do you suffer any imposter syndrome? And if so, what kind of strategies do you use to get through it?
1: Um, I never suffer it with my writing I do suffer it in terms you know in terms of things like um, the questions some of the questions you've been asking me today or I think am I even qualified to answer that (laughs) I'm making it up as I go along Um, it's more for me I guess when people want to talk about your brand or your this or your that for me um, or your business whereas as far as I'm concerned I'm just writing things that I love writing in between um, gardening and walking my dog and looking at my high-heeled shoes and thinking will I ever wear them again (laughs) so it's you know that for me is the imposter syndrome will anyone who's will anyone keep hiring me I guess when do you stop being relevant and um, that it's more it's more tied to that the question of that where will my next job come from rather than um, am I any good at it I know I'm really good at it I'm excellent at it um it's more just I'm, I'm not comfortable with you. and it's funny that I've just said I'm excellent at it but that's because you and I are talking about it I'm not comfortable putting myself out there I I only post on social media once a week and that's agonizing um for me and I'm even then not spruiking my product I usually put a photo of me looking really hideous at like 37 weeks pregnant back in the day wearing undies with my hair looking like Sharon Stone's in that last scene of casino when she was going crazy um you know that sort of thing poking fun at myself I'm more comfortable doing that rather than oh I'm fabulous and you should hire me so I find the self-promotion that's where the imposter syndrome comes in
0: that's really interesting because I hear this so often and I also concur and and look at you look at your background and your track record and, and your history in the industry and yet you still have that sense of that reticence you know to put yourself forward and what do you think that's about i'm not sure if that's just Mm. women in general um but i do know i most of the women most people do my courses are women like 80 percent, and it seems to be a dominating theme but it's not going away so what's that coming from do you think what's underpinning that
1: I think it's lack of experience in, in me actually running a business. If I'm honest, you know, I have full faith in my abilities. It's more just that I've always been a full-time employee, whether it was at the, at the Herald, the Sunday age, who magazine, the new daily, um, you know, that that apart from tiny little stints of freelancing, I, and I'd still, I've never even had a CV and I still, to this day do not have one. Um, For me, my jobs have always just been, we hear that you're great. We'd like to hire you, um, which is, is just so lovely um yes yeah, so now what was I talking about I'm losing no, track was, of no I'm no it's good
0: it um, was kind of like what do you do when yes, you, you it's do it's, have that sense yes, of so, hes- hesitancy Yes,
1: yeah, so I've always been a full-time employee and I haven't actually had to look at myself as a brand or as a business and I think that for me it's just you know not really knowing what to do um, and how to run a business and that's where my lack of confidence comes from
0: Yeah, I was um, in a former podcast, I was talking to an Instagram expert and I think she put it really nicely. She said it's about authenticity, which I know you you very much value, but, you know, the sense that we have to put ourselves out there and promote and push and be these things that we're not, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive. It's like eek eek factor. Um, I, I like to think of it as I'm serving. You know, every time I change my mindset from selling to serving, I'm helping someone. Like today, just before this podcast, I was on a um, seminar I was training 150 people and and I'm always nervous by things and people think, oh, wow, you you don't look it, but I do. Um, but I had to change my mindset to go, you know what, I'm just going to tell them about storytelling. This is, this is my topic that I love telling. Mm-hmm. And when I change that mindset for how can I share something, how can I help someone tell a better story, then the fears kind of dissipate and I'm able to be a lot more present with what I'm doing and not worry about how am I being seen and how am I getting across and how are they receiving? So I think that's that's my mission, I think, with, with the way I train people is to try and get them to believe that if they can write good copy or content for a client, that it gets new traffic in, gets new customers, it brings in the money, it helps everybody. You know, we're there to help. We're not there to push ourselves on people. So I, I, I think the authenticity about who you are and what you're designed to do is, is a nice way of getting through that.
1: Yeah, so that's a lovely mindset. And thank you for sharing that. I'm going to use that myself. Um, it's Um, That's a beautiful way of looking at it. And yeah, like I said, you know, I, I don't doubt my skills at all. It's more that at the moment, I'm not really comfortable hustling. I don't want to hustle for work right now. I'm still licking my wounds from awful situation last yeah. year. And I'm really just... You know if if I have a day off and no one books me then that's fine I fill it up doing something else that at my stage in life I really want to do and whether that is just lie down and watch a movie in the middle of the afternoon which I've never had the Mm. time to do and you know whatever it is whether I want to read a book whether I want to start crocheting a blanket for my sister for her 60th next year you know I want to it fits in with that so for me I take it all as this is how my day is supposed to be without hustling and so far it's it's working
0: (laughs) Good well I want to talk about the fearlessness because I do think your writing it does it's you on a page and you talked about 131 comments a moment ago do you read the comments and what happens when they're negative because I would really struggle I think to face that kind of barrage every day.
1: Um, Sometimes I read them more often than not I'm not Necessarily brave enough and my husband reads them or maybe it's a case of not being brave enough it's just that I know that they're there and I pretty much know what the what they will say um I am a real stickler though if people uh reach out to me personally by email which a lot of the disgruntled people do you know the trolls will will take their campaign offline and they'll email me directly wow. Um, and I always take the time to respond to them and thank them for their opinion. And um, you know, I'm sure it's valid, but as is mine. And um I, I did that a couple of weeks ago with a with a man who took umbrage at me. Um encouraging everyone to go and get vaccinated and we ended up having a really lovely exchange of about eight or nine emails over a week where in the end he was telling me about how he loves going out picking blackberries in the morning (laughs) and this is what he does with his wife on weekends and so it sort of turned into this little quasi not friendship but acquaintanceship just by me acknowledging his feelings and 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 hoping that he will acknowledge mine and I, I feel much better about that that's more valid if someone takes the time to reach out then of course I will reply to them if it's just a comment on on a on the age site then I know what they're going to say my husband will read them and he'll get furious and then we forget about it oh that's
0: great <laughs> yeah. attitude uh, let me just a sort of a segue now into um, work in the sense that if people are interested in being um, published Okay, maybe they'd like to get a column in the age, maybe they would like to get some PR about their copywriting business. Uh, What tips have you got? Because you've been on the receiving end, I imagine, of tons of media releases, and you know what works and what doesn't. Any tips for how people can write a media release or make contact with the press that's going to get them some coverage?
1: Yeah, just hone in on who it is that you actually want to speak to. If you're, if you specialise in um, finance reporting, for instance, or you know you're a lifestyle copywriter, content writer, you know, work out who publishes um, your kinds of of stories or what you're interested in, and it could be someone who's overseas. Um, I have developed a, a contact with a woman who write who is the um, the commissioning editor at CEO magazine in New York, you know, which has 11 million unique views. And I've worked out that they, you know, they love, and it's the same with every site all around the world. Um, They often depend on free content and they're mad to fill their their site every day. So if you can approach them um, and say, this is what I offer, this is my story, like picture story to them, something that you know will, that you are an expert at that will resonate with audiences. Again, it might be um, a listicle, which is really popular, um, five things that you need to do right now to shore up your, your finances. If you're an expert in that, then write it and pitch it. Who knows? You know, it might land. Yes, you won't get paid for it because it's all free content, but your name is there as a as a contributing writer to such and such site. So I just think that you have to really drill down on what it is that your expertise is. Um, find out which commissioning editors um, in Australia and around the world are in charge of that. Make contact with them um, and make regular contact. If you don't hear back from them, that's fine. Just keep writing and saying, hi, hi you know, I'm probably really stalky and I'm probably bothering you, but here's an idea for today, or I think this might, you know, fly Peg to this idea. Let me know if you're interested. More often than not, you might not hear from them. But certainly when I was um, a commissioning editor at the New Daily for three years, I got to know the people who would regularly email with me with press releases. And sure enough, there would be times when I think, oh, now, I really need to get an expert in blah, blah, blah. All right. I'm going to finally use that woman, you know, you, and, and, you, and you get used. People will pick you up if you're persistent.
0: I think sometimes people think, Oh, I, I emailed once. I don't want to be a pest. I don't want to be mm. a, you know, a stalker. What number is appropriate, you know, before giving
1: up on emailing the, the editor I say I've done it three times I'm, I'm done. Yeah. That's a great question. Well, it depends how bold you are and, and how good your ideas are. Like if, The thing is, if your ideas are good, you will get noticed. So it's more a case of um, coming up with a really great idea, you know, working out what's in the news, what's your expertise, how can you tie a story into that, um, and pitching that. Here's my idea, and I think that your readers would really love it. It's as simple as that. If your idea is good, I promise you it will be picked up. If it doesn't get picked up, come up with a better idea.
0: And is it done in the body of the email? And if so, how many ideas would you pitch at a time?
1: I would pitch maximum two ideas at a time. I think that I would say I know that you've been, your readers have really been enjoying the stories on whatever it is this week. Here's my take on it. This is my experience. Get, you know, hope you enjoy it. Um, give Give them a day. I mean, you don't need to give them two, three, four days a week to let it settle in with them. They will know immediately when they read it if they're going to use it. Um, Then take it and pitch it to someone else, hone the idea, make it really smart, make it a must read. Um, Again, 500 words maximum. You don't need any more than that and make sure that you're writing absolutely zings from the first paragraph. If it's good writing and a good idea, it will get picked up.
0: Would you submit the whole article or just pitch it with the one-liner or the two-liners?
1: Well, it depends if you've already written the piece or whether it's just an idea. Like if you've actually thought of the idea, you've you've written it and you're happy with it, sure. Absolutely, send it off. Please find attached my, my take on blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, the email itself doesn't have to be long. As we all know, people will read three paragraphs before they start to drift off. So make it clear. I've written a fantastic story on, that's, that's it. Hi, whoever, you don't have to go into the how are you and I've written a fantastic story on this. Please find attached. I think your readers will love it. Be confident.
0: Yeah, cool. And what about the email subject line? What, what's the tips for getting noticed? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's actually, <laughs> that's the hardest part, I think. Um, you know, I mean, it depends whether you're just going for clicky, whether you're going for um, the story you can't, you need to read or whatever it is, like, why not, why not go with that? Um, or, you know, be, be silly. I know when I was when I was working in my comms role last year, and I was pitching people, you know, t- to go on podcasts. So I would often, the email subject would be um, the podcast guest you absolutely cannot afford to not have on, you know, or something like that. So anyone's going to, you know, anyone's going to click on that or you. Yeah. Yeah, today you win. Yeah, make it just they've Make it interesting.
0: I remember there was a time I was um, talking to, it was kind of like a client and I'd already done work with it for many, many years, but I was pitching this new idea. And um, I hadn't heard back from her. And I would follow up, you know, like a week later and still no answer. And then the third one, I thought, I'm just going to say in the subject line, was it something I said? And I got an instant response. I'm not lying. No word of lie. She said, oh, I'm really sorry. You know, I was really busy. Yeah, love it, love it, love it. Let's do it. She says, sorry. And it was so funny because. It can be taken in so many ways because it's kind of like with a bit of edge or a bit of softness, you know. But she took it in this way. Well, I better get back to her.
1: That is so bad, mother. I love that you did that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or sorry. (laughs) Just one word sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot not open that email.
1: It's so, it's so true. You know, there's a, yeah, there's a little bit of, um, of regret and guilt around that but also it's passive aggressive. it's pretty pathetic i really like it, really like it. Well, in
0: lowercase yeah. as well just lowercase
1: but you know that would be my tip with anything whether you're writing an email subject line or whether you're writing a three part email or a 500 you know word story or a cover story for a, a magazine god make it interesting make it interesting um And, you know, that's always my tip, no matter how serious the subject, I like to have a light hand with it. Whether you're talking about, you know, the saddest of topics, have a light hand. Otherwise, you know, the seriousness just doesn't translate to the page, you
0: know, be upbeat. Okay. In wrapping up, you've interviewed almost every celebrity that's worth knowing. Give me your top three that you really loved and yes. three that were really different to what you thought they're going to be like you should never meet your heroes oh. are you comfortable saying that
1: yes yes yeah absolutely okay. number one um guy pierce just on the good the, side on the good side yeah, yeah. i'll do yeah. good first of all yeah. Yeah, yeah just heaven um i was working at her magazine and i was about 39 and a half weeks pregnant and he opened the door to me and was like oh you know that was back in the day where we always did home takes um And he sat me down and got a little puff for my swollen fat feet and said, do you fancy anything? I said, you know what, I actually wouldn't mind some shortbread biscuits. Have you got any? And he didn't. So he raced to the milk bar and bought me the shortbread biscuits and he was just divine. So he's always number one, really lovely, smart, intelligent fellow. Um, And I also really love another neighbour's boy, Jason Donovan. So I'm going for the homegrown boys, polite, normal, just lovely we had a whole day together I think I was 20 and I grew an enormous pimple on my nose over the course of the day because I was so nervous and didn't know about it until the end of the day so poor Jason had been looking at this horrible pimple all day so he's always in my mind number three would be and we're talking divine aren't we
0: and male or female Yep.
1: yep can we talk surprising yeah surprising I'm going to go for Naomi Campbell who had always had such a bad rap um, in the press Um, she kept me waiting for an hour for the meeting and when I walked in I just said you know this is really outrageous my time is as important as yours and you're lucky that I didn't leave here and she was just like what Um, which was really was really fun and in the end she was great and we had a who party about a week after that and she, we invited her and she came just because she said I can't believe that you are running a magazine and um <laughs> it was great so she was surprising and that she and she was also honest to interview because a lot of celebrities you know they won't tell you what they're really thinking um tricky to interview Naomi Watts um had her manager hiding under the desk because she thought I wouldn't see him um, under there. Um, it was a really strange interview. She was like, hey, she was just a bit like sort of the captain of the under-13 netball team who was a bit underwhelming. Um, now I'm really... <laughs> I'm thinking well, while you're thinking, I'll tell you my Guy Pierce story because I'm a big fan of him
0: too, because I got the role in this show called Jack Irish. And when my agent said you've got this role, and I didn't even know who Jack Irish was being played by, he said, and just just hold your hat, you know, who who you're going to be working with. It's Guy Pierce. Like, oh my God, because I loved him so much anyway. And I turned up on set and it was a big production and he's a big star. And you know, I'm I'm playing this sort of minor role. And um, and I had to do the fangirl, and I know he's they don't like that sometimes, but I said because I'm working with him literally all day, one to one. I said, "Guy, before we work, I just have to tell you, I'm the biggest fan of yours. I just love the way you've just managed your career, and I think you're a beautiful actor." And it was like, "Oh, thank you." You know, so we had a really lovely day, and he, he's the most beautiful actor. Like there was just one moment; it's like a masterclass in acting, because there was this one scene where he just didn't even have any dialogue, and he just sighed. He kind of went like this, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." priceless it said so much and it was like the under understatement
1: of acting it was just a gorgeous gorgeous oh, day I love that I love that we both love him oh yeah, can, yeah I love yeah. him very when much when I when you come down and visit me at the beach and I am mixing us the passion fruit cocktails we can toast him we can um, yeah he's beautiful I've, I've got another friend who's got a great story about him which I'll tell you at the time and um, my other two who I didn't click with for various reasons were um, Faraz Javrani and the the actor, I think that's his oh, name. yeah, he was in and SAS, wasn't he? It was anyway. Uh, here, go maybe on. last year. Um, and Hugh Jackman. Oh well, that's a surprise. Yep. What was what went wrong there? Just we didn't click. We didn't get on. We didn't oh. get on. Yeah, we didn't share the same sense of humour. I'm yeah, sure. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think there is a danger sometimes with meeting your heroes. You know.
1: Yeah. Um, totally. But you know, funnily enough, someone that I'd never liked in real. Something that I'd never liked on the screen and from afar was Nicole Kidman. You know, she's sort of a, you're on one camp or the other, you love her or you hate her. And I was always in that camp. And when we met, she was just completely different and much more fun than I thought she was going to be. So she's, she is unlucky to miss out on the third spot in, um, and she might take Naomi Campbell down. We actually met at the races and, um, you, you know, I said to her, I'm such a fan of your husband, I'm a member of his fan club. And she sort of went, oh, yeah, what's the name of the club? Because the Keith Urban Fan Club has a really random name that only members would know. And I told her, she's like, you are absolutely, you, you, you're, you're authentic. All right, so let's sit down, let's gamble. Who are we picking on the, the next race? And she had a little envelope, which was like those old-fashioned um, Manila envelopes that you used to get your pay in back in 1982 from Maya if you worked in the credit office like I did after school. And it was stuffed with $100 notes and she was literally just sort of pulling them out and, you know, let's put it on the nose and let's do this and let's do that. And she was actually sort of she was much more um, loose and fun than I thought she, she would be. And yeah. she had dirty, dirty heels just like I did as if she didn't have time to get a pedicure. Before yeah, so
0: yeah, right. Like, right. yeah,
1: okay, you've probably been hanging out with your kids and you're a normal person.
0: Yeah, she's anyway. human as well. Kate, can't thank you enough for your unbelievable um, stories and authenticity and vulnerability and, and your truthfulness and fearlessness. So keep writing. I'll keep reading it. Thanks Benefit. again.
1: Thank you so much and thank you for having me. You're unreal. I can't wait to be cocktailing with you.
0: I can't wait either. Let's organise <laughs> that. Okay, see ya. What I absolutely love about Kate's story is that she demonstrates how to overcome a really significant setback and turn that negative experience into a life-changing and more importantly, life-affirming experience. And just to know that nothing we do is wasted and that everything we have done in the past can be valuable in the future. If you'd like to access a huge range of opportunities to become a paid copywriter, access to our video library, and also some tips and hints on how you can create your own quotes and get paid what you're worth, maybe consider joining Copy Club and join the most supportive community in Australia today for copywriters. So visit copyclub.com.au. My inspirational tip of the day, don't downgrade your dream to just fit your reality. Upgrade your convictions to match your destiny. And my writing tip of the day, it's a simple one, but it's powerful. Keep a pad and pen by the bed so that when you wake at 3am and you know you will with that amazing idea, that headline, that quote, that tip, you'll be able to capture it. Don't think you'll remember it the next day because you almost certainly will not. And I speak from experience. My joke of the day, and this is a goodie, I've got to be honest. What did the DNA say to the other DNA? Do these genes make me look fat? If you like this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's it from me. I'm Bernadette Schwert. All the best and bye-bye.